Welcome to All Saints Community Church Weekly Sermon Podcast. We are a community of worship and formation on mission with Jesus. Our desire for you as you listen is to be transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit as we read the scriptures and to be mobilized to actively bring God's kingdom to the earth. For more information on who we are, visit allsaintsokc.org or follow us on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at ASCCOKC. So this morning, we're going to be in 1 Timothy chapter 1. Uh, Now, the theme of this letter is that the gospel leads to practical change, um, visible change in the lives of those who believe it. And I want you to pay attention and look for that uh, because we're going to see that. But the really cool thing is that that makes the most sense within the larger context and what we're going to focus on today, which is that Jesus Christ came to save sinners. So let's pray and then we're going to dive in. Father, we thank you uh, for bringing us here together, for gathering us in your name. We're grateful that we have this opportunity to be here with each other and to worship you, um, to look into your word, to be encouraged and strengthened by you. Father, I ask that you would prepare our hearts and minds right now to receive what you have for us today. Um, And I also ask that you would help me to stay on time. Um, We love you and we bless your name. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So, uh, the passage should be up there on the screen, but it's 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 12 through 17. I'm going to read it. It says, I thank him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because he judged me faithful, appointing me to his service. Though formerly I was a blasphemer, persecutor, and insolent opponent. But I have received mercy because I acted ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord overflowed from me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. But I have received mercy for this reason that in me as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. To the king of the ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. So we're going to go through it verse by verse. um, And um, we're going to see what the Lord has for us. So we're going to go back to verse 12. We're going to read it again. I thank him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because he judged me faithful, appointing me to his service. So really quick what we see here is that Paul is giving thanks because Christ was willing to appoint him to service in spite of his past sins, which were pretty heavy, as we're going to see. He marvels at the fact that God considered him worthy to trust, that he would consider him faithful despite his historic not only lack of faith, but persecution of Christ followers. Now, we're we're not going to spend a lot of time in that verse. We're actually going to move past it right now because uh, we have a lot to get through. But that verse is pretty important in setting up the rest of the passage. So we're going to move on to verse 13. Though formerly I was a blasphemer, persecutor, and insolent opponent, but I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief. So his past sins, Paul, his past sins were pretty severe. He says blasphemy. He was saying all sorts of wicked and evil things against Jesus and against Christ's followers. Persecution. 
I don't know all the details of exactly what Paul did when he was Saul, but we know that he was literally hunting Christians down so they could be, at the very least, arrested, and many of them were executed, as we see in Acts 8. And we've been going through Acts. Brock has been taking us through Acts, so you guys are pretty familiar with that. He calls himself an insolent opponent. He says, in his own words, he was boldly and extremely harsh towards Christians. He wasn't nice about it. He wasn't respectful. He was boldly disrespectful and harsh. And he very well approved against violent, of, of violence against Christians. Now remember all of this about Paul because we're going to need to know it for something we're going to see in a later verse. And this is interesting. Paul is contrasting himself here with false teachers. And uh, you who've been with me in youth, we've talked a lot about false teachers in Colossians lately. So you know a thing or two about them. But he said, it says when, when Paul opposed Christ, he was not yet a believer. But false teachers, on the other hand, profess to follow Christ and yet oppose his ways and live in their evil ways. And in doing this, they're coming dangerously close to being cut off from God's mercy, which is pretty heavy. But we're not going to go down that road today. But what I want you to see, does Paul's ignorance, does his lack of faith in Christ excuse his past sins? No. But something else does. What is it? What, what is it that could excuse the kind of awful sins that Saul had committed? It's the blood of Christ. His death on the cross. And that's the only thing. Only thing that could excuse that. All right, moving on. Verse 14. And the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. So his grace overflowed for Paul in the same way that his grace overflows for you and for me. The same faith and love which Paul experienced are available to us right now, today. And those of us who are here who've sinned and feel that they've done things that can't be forgiven, maybe we can't forgive ourselves. Why? God forgives you. Right? You think you can hold a, a grudge against yourself over something that God has already forgiven you for? And there are some of us here today who feel trapped in sin, who can't stop sinning. And guess what? Jesus came to die for you too, to set you free from sin as well. And he's not disgusted by you. And what about those of us here living in unrepentant sin? You feel you've done things that you can't speak of because of guilt and shame. You've kept these things secret for a long time. Let me repeat myself. God is not disgusted by you. Jesus came here to die so he could forgive you. That's the whole reason he died. He didn't die so that you, know, you could deem yourself unworthy of the forgiveness that he's offering you. I shared this illustration a couple weeks ago in youth. Um, and it was kind of just something God, like, plopped on my mind last minute. And it actually made a lot more sense when I said it out loud than when I wrote it down. Um, so, youth, you, you might remember this. Um, so, we talked about uh, we like ice cream, okay, in youth. And I'm not going to ask you guys your favorite ice cream flavor because that will take ten minutes if it's anything like it was in youth. Um, but we're just going to say strawberry. We're going to pretend that your favorite ice cream flavor is strawberry because that's mine. I think it's the best. So imagine you go to Brahms and you buy your favorite ice cream cone, okay? And then your friend thinks it would be really funny to come up and smack it out of your hand and then step on it, right? 
that's probably not funny to you. I mean, I, I don't know. If, if I were in that situation, I would not be laughing. I wouldn't find it funny. Anyways, let's say the next day, you go back. You go back to Brahms, and you order your favorite ice cream cone again. And then the same friend comes out of nowhere and smacks it out of your hand, and he stomps on it. He just laughs. All right, at this point, what are you guys feeling? What are you going to do? I, I know what I'm going to do, right? And it's not going to, it's not going to be, it's probably not what, what God would want me to do in that situation, right? Okay, now fast forward. Let's say you decide to make this a routine. Every single day you go to Brahms and you buy your favorite ice cream cone. Every, it's after work or after school, whatever you do. Once a day, you go and you buy your favorite ice cream cone, and then this person, who's probably not your friend anymore at this point, or at least is not my friend anymore at this point, comes out of nowhere and smacks the ice cream cone out of your hand and just stomps on it, right? Now, what do you think you'd be feeling towards this person? Now, see, when, when I asked that question to the youth, I got a whole range of answers from just go to a different Brahms to punch him in the face. Like, it's a pretty wide range of answers, and I can't say I blame any of their answers. But let me ask you, do you think in that moment, day after day, you'd be able to look them in the face and say, you know what, I forgive you, and continue on in friendship with them as if it never happened? Isn't that what God does? Isn't it? We sin every day. I sin continually every day, and often it's the same sin over and over every day. And every day, God is right there, and he says, you know what? I forgive you. And he wants to continue in friendship with me as if I never sinned, as if I never knocked the metaphorical ice cream cone out of his hand. Okay. Going on to verse 15. I'm trying to move quick here. Oh, this is good. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. Now, you may have heard in different translations of whom I am chief, whatever translation. He's saying, I am the worst sinner. I am the sinner of sinners, right? Now, there's no more... There's, there's no saying more trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance than this, that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. He came to do a lot of things, many of which we'll talk about here in the coming weeks, but don't miss this one, okay? He didn't come to make the world a perfect place, at least not in the way that you and I would imagine. He did not come to help you make more money and help you get your dream job and your dream car and your dream house. He didn't come to make sure that all of your politicians would win their elections. He didn't come to solve all of your problems. But he did come to solve the one problem that you could not solve on your own. The one problem which we had no resolution for. That we are sinners on a path to eternal darkness. We have no way of saving ourselves. Do you realize that? There's nothing you can do in this world to save yourself. But there is one, there's one who can save you. And I want to be clear, this message isn't just for those of you who may not know Christ. This is for everyone. This is for everyone here. We as believers, we need to think about this gospel, the good news that Jesus Christ came to save sinners. Because that's the gospel, right? 
What's the gospel? Jesus Christ came to save sinners. That's the gospel. That's what drives us. It has to be. If we want to live and be more like Jesus, it starts with a full understanding that without him, we are nothing. And with him, we have everything. We're made whole. We're made complete. And because of the grace we received when we, when we didn't deserve it, we can live and we can share with others that there is a hope for them also because Christ came into this world to save sinners. Speaking of, let's look at the next verse. But I received mercy for this reason, that in me as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. Paul is declaring that the reason he received mercy is so that people could see that if he, the worst of sinners, could be forgiven by Jesus and given eternal life, than anyone could. Do you know what this is? Think about our church's mission statement. We're a community of worship and formation on mission with Jesus. So what is this? This is formation. This is Paul showing us how his mindset is formed by Jesus Christ. His mindset is formed by the gospel, the good news that Christ came to save sinners. Sinners, the worst this world has to offer. Remember what Paul said, what, what, how he described himself in verse 13. He said he was a blasphemer, a persecutor, an insolent or arrogant opponent of Jesus. And Jesus came to save him. He recognized, Paul recognized that Jesus came into this world to save him, to forgive those ugly, terrible sins. And the gospel, and this is my favorite part, the gospel didn't stop there, Right? It didn't stop impacting Paul after he was saved. It shaped his entire existence for the rest of his life and for eternity. Jesus came to save sinners. He saved Paul. And because Jesus saved Paul, Paul's life was all about sharing with others that Christ could do the same for them. And the whole time, this is the key, he had his eyes and mind fixed upon the king of kings desiring to worship him for eternity. And we can learn from this, right? Because there is a response to the saying, Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. And it's not just praying the salvation prayer and being counted as a salvation for our church's yearly total and going on your merry way. The response is a changed life. It's a renewed heart. It's a fresh spirit an eager desire to worship the king of the universe, like we just sang about, worshiping the king of kings. Speaking of the king of kings, let's get into verse 17. It says, To the king of the ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Remember how I said that Paul didn't, or the, the gospel didn't stop impacting Paul after he was saved? He wasn't just thankful to be saved and happy to go on living his life. He realized that something miraculous had happened. Something extraordinary. Something beyond comprehension. The king of the universe, the lord of all creation, subjected himself to death on a cross so that he could save us, sinners, 
not worthy of being saved. A few weeks ago in youth, we watched a clip from the movie The Passion of the Christ. Uh, We watched the scene of his crucifixion. So parents, if you're just now finding out about that and you're upset, we can talk about it later. But it was powerful. It was to see the, the response of students watching that. To see the king of love, the king of life, the only one who didn't deserve death, be brutally tortured and murdered for our sake. Overwhelming is an understatement. And after watching it, trying to get back into my sermon notes, even though I'd seen it before, the only words I was able to choke out were, it's not fair. It wasn't fair for Jesus to have to be the one to do that. Luke painted that picture over there, right? That was you, Luke, that painted the one of the cross. I love that. And it has the record of debt nailed to it, right? And we talked about that in youth. How that, that record of debt actually represents all of our sins. And Jesus took those sins to the grave with him. He, your sin was crucified with Jesus. But it shouldn't... <laughs> It shouldn't have been Jesus up there because he's the only one that didn't deserve that, right? For him to have his flesh ripped from his body and to have to carry a criminal's cross to the top of a mountain where they would drive nails through his hands and feet and hang him up there to die a long, agonizing death. It should have been me. It should have been anyone else but not him. And yet he chose to because truly he's the only one that could bear that. The king of kings chose to give up his life in order to save us because Christ came to save sinners. But here's the greatest part. That is not where the story ended. Over in Revelation chapter 5, I wanted to read the whole thing, but Brock said it might be too long. I'm just going to read it. Starting in... Starting in verse 5, not the whole chapter, not the whole chapter. And one of the elders said to me, weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. And between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain with seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And he went and he took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain. And by your blood, you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. Then I looked and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders the voice of many angels, numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying, to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. 
And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshipped. Our king, the lamb who was slain, he is being glorified in heaven. His death on the cross was not his final moment. And I know this isn't Easter, we're at Christmas time, but I can say to you with fullness of joy that the lamb has conquered the grave. The king has risen and he is highly exalted and glorified. And at his name, every knee, we sing this, at his name, every knee will bow before him and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. All because Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. And now, because he saved us, we get to worship him and live with him forever and ever. Let's pray. Lord, we bless your name. We look to you with grateful hearts, with joy, with peace that was made possible only by you coming into this world. I can't even put into words how grateful I am and how grateful I'm sure every one in this room is for you. The fact that you came into this world when you didn't have to. That you were born as a little baby in a dirty manger. You gave up your throne in heaven to come and do that so that you could be, so that you could grow into a man and be subjected to rulers who think that they have authority over you. And that you would ultimately give up your life so that we could find life. For that we could never repay you. But we can worship you for eternity. Lord, I ask that you would keep this, this, this gospel, this good news that you came into the world to save sinners. Would you keep it fresh on our minds, at the forefront of our minds. Every day, from now till the end of time even though there is no end of time, we get to be with you for eternity. Keep this on the forefront of our minds so that we would worship you with every breath that we take. Let us be taken by you in awe of all that you are in your glory. We love you. We ask that this would change our hearts. Change it for the better. We glorify you, and we agree with all the creatures in heaven and on earth, and we say to you, Lord, be blessing and honor and glory and power forever and ever. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.